Hello, everyone. God bless you. To have a uh, another service, another virtual service. Um, God bless you and, and welcome. And uh, Brother Barry had asked me to take this service, so I wanted to. Um, uh, uh, greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus and um, looking forward to getting into the word with you very honored to, to do so so I hope you're excited hope you're ready to get into the word and um, hope you're excited to have virtual church if you will let's just bow our heads wherever you are if you could just let's bow our heads and let's pray gracious Heavenly Father Lord we thank you so much for the ability to gather together in a way such as we are right now and to say that we love you to say that we thank you for your many blessings to us and to say lord that we we need you more and more as we see the day approaching and lord we ask that you be with us tonight wherever the people are who are viewing those who are not able to attend lord we pray that your your presence would be with them but we ask lord that you'd be with us tonight as well as we gather around your word. And Lord, we pray that you'd allow us to say the right things and to hear the right things. Lord, I pray that you give me the ability to um, speak to whatever need may be out there that I'm completely unaware of. And I believe that the Holy Ghost can do that. You, you know the issues and the trials and the situations that we all face, and I do not. I do not know many of those, Lord, and, and we trust that you will allow us to speak to something that um, that will help somebody. So we give you these few moments. We ask that you do that. We say thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for this ability to do this tonight. In your name do we pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, um, it's good to be with you. And uh, again, I'm very excited to... Um, be with you tonight and I would also like to say thank you to brother uh, Jeremy for setting this up with Jamie Clayville and um, I believe it is uh, I believe it's Hebrews chapter um, 6 and verse 10 if I'm not mistaken that says uh, that the Lord will not forget your labor of love and I really mean I, I believe that means those who labor in the sound, the musicians, those who do everything that they can to make sure a service happens and happens according to plan. And uh, that's, you know, um, very pivotal role in the, in the assembly nowadays. And uh, so thank you, Brother Jeremy, for getting everything together. Um, if you would, let's go uh, to our Bibles and let's read a passage of Scripture. Um, if you would, let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and uh, verse 28. Let's start there. Actually, you know what? Let's start at uh, start a little bit higher. We're going to do a lot of Bible reading tonight, and I don't want to take a long time, says says every preacher ever. But I, 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 I want to just speak to a few things, a, a few specific things, and I want to leave them in your mind and leave them to think about. So I want to make this um, a little bit of a study of the scriptures here and, uh, and go from there. So Hebrews chapter nine, and let's start at verse, um, let's start at verse 24. And this is Paul, and he's talking about 
he's talking to the Hebrews, so he's talking to uh, Messianic Jews, Jews uh, who were, uh, you know, uh, regular Jews, and then they converted to Christianity. And he's talking about them in chapter 9 about the, the covenant, the new covenant that's in place. And he begins to explain that. And then in verse 24, he says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, the temple, he's, he's, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Verse 25, nor yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest entered, entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of, uh, blood of others, for then must he oft, often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, and it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Unto those that look for him shall he appear the second time. Take your Bibles. Let's go over to Psalms chapter 130. Psalms, the 130th chapter. If you want to, if you did keep your finger in Hebrews, great. If not, you may have to turn back. Psalms 130. Out of the depth have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Hear my voice. Let my ears be attentive unto you. Let my ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. But if, Lord, thou shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, and that thou mayest be feared. And I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. I love this passage of the Psalms. There's so many of the Psalms that are really good. But this one, it speaks really good because in verse 3, he says, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark mine iniquities, in other words, if you tally them against me, then who, who, who's going to be able to stand against that? No one. No one is going to be able to stand against it. But praise the Lord, he does not mark your iniquities against you and he's there is forgiveness uh, with thee that thou mayest be feared and praise the lord for that so with these um openings uh or opening reading of the scripture here what i want to do is get into um just something very specific and i want to walk through a few scriptures here um and dive into a few things that may be um if you're newer to the message they might be a help and if you're um, been in the message for a long time, um, it will be uh, a good refresher for you. Um, now, I believe, uh, and I was thinking this morning, um, just as I was uh, praying about uh, what to speak on and things like that, and um, the Lord's kind of been dealing with my heart here for a few days. And I was thinking this morning, and I believe that what we've all just experienced um, uh, globally all of us as individuals have experienced globally uh, with COVID-19 
And I know that uh, we're sick and tired of hearing that name. Um, but just to address it just for a moment, if I, I believe that all that we've experienced, however much you care about it, you, you may you may not care about it. You may think it's a conspiracy theory. You may it may not have affected you personally very much. All that aside, it's a no brainer that that pandemic has added added to the pressure that is on society. The, the gross darkness uh, that Brother Branham uh, it, it calls out in, in um, the message Shalom in the scripture, Isaiah uh, uh, chapter 60, the gross darkness that he, he, um, he calls out, it seems to have gotten a little darker, if that's even possible. Um, and we know spiritually, as things begin to move closer to the translation of the bride, which is one of the more pivotal moments along the scriptural timeline. Uh, one of the most important uh, uh, for the end time bride is the translation of the bride. As we get closer to that, things move a little faster. Uh, Brother Barry, he talked um, uh, months ago about this and he said, as it's like a coin in one of those roundabout things. He said, when the coin is on the outside, you see it rolling in the top and it's going very um, wide. It's just like a spout, a water spout water is going very slow and then as it begins to move down towards the um, towards the drain itself it speeds up it, it begins to get constricted it begins to squeeze together if you will and it moves faster and I, I believe that that's that's where we are and um, you know besides besides all the normal issues that we do you know that we deal with you, you've got job changes you've got a global pandemic you've got a Saharan dust storm from the Sahara, whatever that is. I, I really don't know what that is. And then you've got the political uncertainty on top of that. You've got, you know, the elections coming up and, and things like that. On top of all of the normal afflictions of the righteous, if you will. So we've got all the normal circumstances of life. And then it seems like these things have just totally interrupted the way that we've conducted our lives. The way that we go to the grocery store has changed. And those things they they compress on you and your family a lot of times without even being aware of how they are affecting you mentally um, you might think wow you know this pandemic it's not affecting me uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't really bother me well i would i would double check that it probably it, it, remember the scripture and i've got it here first corinthians 10 3 5 for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So you might think, wow, it doesn't really bother me. But keep in mind, there's an enemy that's that's controlling the darkness of this world. And it, its sole objective is to get you to disbelieve um, in the word and to get you, you to, to get off center from, from being in Christ. And the, the pressure in the world has gotten, I, I believe, a little bit more intense. You can almost feel it, if you will. And that's very true. So to say that ah, it's not going to affect me is kind of um, spiritually immature, if you will, because many are the afflictions of the righteous. And the enemy's goal is to, if you will, for weapons are warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing in captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So you can be assured that the enemy is trying to get to you. Thankfully, and praise the Lord for this, a believer has the ability 
to pull down strongholds, to, uh, I, I, I guess, identify and eliminate the, the uh, Satan's ability to establish a stronghold in your mind. And we do that through casting down imagine, imaginations and bringing into captivity every thought that is out there to the obedience of Christ. So we have to understand that the, the world is, is pressure and believers uh, under an extreme amount of pressure and anxiety and believers are not exempt from that. You're not exempt from that. Um, it, it presses down around you. Thus, we have the sermon that Brother Brandon preached, um, uh, uh, letting off the pressure, right? So it's not that believers aren't exempt of that. We just say, ah, I'll just shrug it off and it's not going to bother me. It's affecting the entirety of the world. So to, we have to understand that we have an area, we have a place where we can let off that pressure. And I believe that um, this pandemic and the things that are going on in the world right now are affecting you and they will, they, you can guarantee that they will affect your family. Satan dwells in the mind, that's his playground. So the external pressure and the external instability can really affect you personally. And that's why Brother Branham preached that sermon, letting off the pressure. So the underlying anxiety or anxieties that are just brushed over with statements like, you know, uh, everything will work out fine. Um, they can manifest many times in negative ways. And a lot of times, um, even in Brother Branham's day, that's what he was dealing with in the prayer line. So he would be dealing with things like, um, you know, someone who got bit by a, a dog bite a long, uh, a bit by a dog a long time ago. And um, they're in front of him with a, a physical illness. And Brother Branham had to dissect that. And he had to discern that. And the Holy Ghost was doing that in, in that individual's life. So those underlying anxieties can build up. And if they're not dealt with, if they're not identified, um, that can really cause some problems. And I believe that it's, it's the Holy Spirit's uh, um, ob objective is to identify those things that are wrong. And as it says here in the scripture, we, I, we cast down those imaginations and everything that, that sets itself against the knowledge of God. We identify those and we, we cast them down and we bring them under subjection to the law, to the obedience of Christ. That's what we do as believers. Um, so what's happening now in the world, it, it can definitely affect you. It can affect you mentally. And I think, um, you know, again, in addition to the normal afflictions of, of life, it can manifest in different ways, right? So you can be, um, you can oftentimes be argumentative, right? Because you're dealing with a lot of anxiety that, that um, you know, let's say four months ago, you didn't have because you're all of a sudden you have to be cooped up at home. You're not able to get out for, uh, let's say, a different type of personality. Um, and, and you may think that this is a psychology, but this is a lot of what Brother Random dealt with in the prayer lines. And the Holy Ghost was dissecting. So the Lord knows exactly how a personality can play into external factors and uh, what that does to a believer. It's very, very important. Um, so, you know, depression uh, uh, is more of what's happened behind you, right? Getting down about what's happened behind you. Anxiety is more worrying about something that may or may not be, which, uh, you know, comes out in the form of worry or, um, you know, even headaches, stomach issues, all those kind of things. So there's a lot of different things that, that can be um, bothering you. And just because you're a member of the bride, it doesn't mean that you're exempt from feeling that pressure. We all feel that pressure. We live in the world, we're not of it. So therefore we have a way to let off the pressure. Now in Psalms 103, or sorry, 130, David, he says, uh, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. 
David knew exactly what it meant to be in the depths. He knew what it was like to be depressed, to be in a place where you feel like everybody's against you, or you feel like nothing is working um, according to the way it should be. He was very familiar with that. And those, those feelings are real, so you, you shouldn't just discount them as being foolish or something like that. They're very real. They're, they're not unimportant to the Lord. They're very important to the Lord. Um, because in large respect, the pressure of the age is representative of the squeeze that we feel as a bride. So that feeling uh, of unease, of nervousness, is, as Brother Branham said, was the, um, the feeling of being homesick for, for, the, for glory. And I know that I felt that many times where you feel you, you almost feel homesick to be on the other side. And that can uh, uh, you feel kind of out of place here so that that, that the Lord is very concerned about that. And uh, what I want to share with you tonight is is a way to combat one way to combat those feelings of anxiety or depression um, or uncertainty or worry that may be manifesting in, in that in that area. You know, there's a lot of people who um, now a lot of exercise routines have come up, you know, as a result of this. People are, you know, saying, well, you need to take care of your health. You need to you know, do yoga and all those things. And I think I think those can be temporary, um, temporary helps. I actually do think that exercise and that kind of thing really helps. Uh, but sometimes you need to go a little bit deeper than that. And you need to really address your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to share one way that I think you can combat those feelings of anxiety or uncertainty or even worry, um, not just because of the current situation that we find ourselves in, but just being a human living on, on the earth and, and uh, being a Christian. And it's, it's this, this simple statement. Um, this simple statement, I want write this down if you, if, if, you, if you want to. The Lord will fulfill his promise concerning you. So be vigilant, be sober, watch, and wait on the Lord. I'm going to say that again. The Lord will fulfill his promise concerning you. So be vigilant, be sober, watch, and wait on the Lord. I, I believe this with all of my heart. The Lord will fulfill his promise concerning you. So be vigilant, be sober, wait on the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, think about that. Think about the fact that the Lord will fulfill his promise concerning me. There's one promise, I think it's Psalms 37, I think. And it says, I have never seen the, first, the righteous forsaken or begging bread. And if you think about it, I, I, I believe that's a very literal um, uh, statement there. I, I believe that he means he's, he's, he's going to take care of you, right? You're not going to go hungry, right? And if you've had a job situation, money coming in, uh, a man will really worry about that, right? That's the, one of the ways that the Lord can get to him. That can be a very concerning thing. If you've lost your job, you don't know where your income is coming from. That's a promise. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging bread. Think about this statement now. The Lord will fulfill his promise concerning you. So be vigilant, be sober, watch, wait on the Lord. Set a reminder for Siri to remind you of that tomorrow at some point. Um, put her to good use. Uh, that statement, and I've just been thinking about that statement recently because there's so much of, uh, there's so much of the waiting 
in between the promise that's given and the fulfillment of that promise. And let me let me say it like this. So in this sermon, 1955, the second coming, Brother Branham, he says, now we're wondering what's what's left to happen before Jesus comes. I believe it's happening today. Brother Branham says this, and he says, now, now uh, we believe as believers that we're in the rapturing season, right? So we believe that we're in the midst of the coming of the Lord. We know that the coming of the Lord, and I'll get into that in just a second if we have time. The coming of the Lord is, is a, a very specific um, uh, happening. It's a span of time. So we're in that rapturing season. And he says this, for the, the thing comes forth is his message calling the bride together. The next thing is the resurrection of the sleeping bride. He's referencing 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, the rapturing scripture. So he's saying the next thing is the resurrection of the sleeping bride, the ones that died back in other ages, they're caught together in the trumpet, feast in the heavens and the sky. Why that's the thing that takes place, friends. We're right there ready now. The only thing the church coming out has to lay before the sun to ripen. The great combine will come after a while. The wheat will be burned, the stalks and the grain will be gathered into his garner. So he's saying, now that's the only thing left to happen before the Lord, before the, the, the resurrection of the sleeping bride, is, is there's nothing left to happen. Malachi 4, Elijah has come. We know that there's nothing left to happen. So bear this in mind. That is a promise concerning you, is the, is the Lord's coming, is the translation of the bride. That is a promise concerning you. Then the Lord will fulfill his promise. But understand this that once a promise is given, there's one fulfillment of that prophecy. And the Lord interprets his word by bringing it to pass. So for an example, let's look at this. If you go to Isaiah, um, uh, I believe it's Isaiah 9 and 6, where it says, um, behold, a, a, behold, a child shall be born unto you. So that's the scripture where um, Christ is promised to be born. And then you fast forward up to Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, um, where behold unto you the city of David a child is born in Christ Jesus. So we understand that there was about 800 years between that prophecy and the fulfillment of it. There was the prophecy that was given. And all down through that span of time, think about all the things that happened. Think about all the lives that were, you know, all the people that were born, all the people that passed away, all the different events, all the, the different world events that happened. Um, you know, Rome comes in there and messes things up uh, at the end of it. You see the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're arguing over doctrine. They make the Talmud. They, you know, this rabbi was doing this over here. This rabbi was doing this over here. There's all kinds of um, fuss and things like that. And right at the time when it, it be, the prophecy began to uh, be fulfilled, when Jesus was actually born, things begin to speed up, right? So uh, Rome came in, the census happened, you know, Mary and Joseph are over there. All these different things are happening. But if you step back and you just look at it, there was a prophecy and there was a fulfillment. And the Lord's promise will be fulfilled concerning you. If there's one thing for certain, the Lord does not, it's Isaiah 55, the Lord does not, his word does not return unto him void. So there's nothing that comes out of the mouth of God that isn't going to come back fulfilled. So whatever promise he gives to you, and it so happens that every promise in the book is yours. That's that's wonderful. Every promise in the book is yours. There's no promise that's going to come out of the Lord's mouth that's not going to return to him unfulfilled. The, Lord, the, the, the Lord's promise concerning you will be fulfilled. 
Now, if you take that same scenario of Jesus being born, the prophecy and the fulfillment, and you look at it, you watch a guy like Simeon, and Simeon believed it. He, he believed it. He had a revelation of what was going on. So he understood that, he, and this is the, identif the identifiable trait of a believer, is they, they see the signs, they recognize them, and they respond to it. So the Pharisees and the prophecy, they believed that a, a Messiah would come, right? But they had their own ide ideology associated with it. They were expecting it to happen a little bit differently. Simeon was simply waiting on the Lord and waiting for him to fulfill it in his time in his own way. And that's the difference. He, he, he saw the sign. He recognized something is about to happen. I'm old. The Lord told me I'm not going to die until I see this kid, this child. So he, he understands that something has to happen before I go. So he was a man who believed the Lord's promise concerning me will be fulfilled. So he watched. He was sober. He's a real-life example of what it means for you to look for him. As the scripture in Hebrews chapter 9 says, unto those that look for him shall he appear the second time. So I believe that there's a, a theme that appears, and as the world gets crazier and it goes faster and faster and faster, all the anxieties, all the issues, and all the things around uh, the world, you have to understand that unto those that look for him shall he appear the second time. In order for you to be able to look for him, you have to know what you're looking for. So I think the thing that uh, um, uh, fulfills that um, momentum of that pressing forward, of that um, forgetting those things which lay behind me and pushing towards that high mark of the calling of Jesus Christ. In order to do that, spiritual revelation is, is that mechanism that facilitates that. And what, what we have to look forward here, as it says in, in Revelation or in Hebrews chapter 9, unto those that look for him shall he appear the second time. That's a promise concerning you. So we've got, you know, a long time until that, that, that prophecy was actually made. And here we are when it's really moving fast. We're right at the cusp of that fulfillment. We're actually in the middle of that fulfillment because Brother Branham said it's, he's, he's coming. We already are in that process. We're in that coming uh, moment of time. And because of that, our objective, as it was for Simeon, should be to look, should be to wait, and should be to be vigilant and be sober, just as Simeon was. And then the fulfillment happened, and he was born in Simeon's song. Brother Manum, he says in the rapture, uh, uh, he says in uh, the in, in absolute, he says, um, uh, I was talking about the coming Christ a few weeks ago in a certain church, and afterwards there was some sort of me, uh, some uh, someone met me back in the in the church and said, Brother Branham, you scare people to death. I said, uh, I said, why do I do that? And he said, well, you're talking about the coming of Christ, and I don't want to hear such thing as that. i got a little boy here that I got to raise, and I've got a girl in school. And I said, oh, the coming of Christ is the most glorious thing that I can think of. Certainly. See, the Bible said all those who love his appearing, oh, oh my, for a day when, when this old mortal will take on immortality and this pest house, uh, uh, this pest house that I live in will be changed in a moment of a twinkling of an eye, and the body like his own glorious body, it should be the heart's desire of the church. A believer, they believe. It's just as simple as that. They believe in the promises of God. 
they were they rest in the revealed word of the hour and so you place your your faith in the scripture and you press forward even in the midst of failures in the midst of difficulties um trials in the midst of the fast moving world around us we move forward that's the that's the mark of a believer is that we press forward philippians 4 13 uh, um, I, 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 I philippians 4 um might not be verse 13 uh i, I press towards the mic of the uh, mark of the high calling for christ um uh, in jesus christ the primary objective of a believer is that they move forward in revelation only to wind up with the lord in eternity so the revealed word of the hour, the message of the hour, facilitates that momentum because it's unto those that look for him shall he appear the second time. And to know to look for him, you have to be aware of what you're looking for. So that that, that revelation of the end time, that's what Brother Branham said in the, in the rapture message, the rapture is a revelation because faith is, revel, is faith is a revelation. It's the substance of the things that you hope for, the evidence of the things that you, don't, you do not see. So spiritual revelation is the mechanism um, uh, that, that uh, facilitates the momentum. Uh, and and your, your revelation cannot be inconsistent with the word of God. It's got to be right on, right on true. Um, it's exactly the response that John gave in Revelations 10, 8 through 11. He heard, he saw the, the, the book, the angel um, uh, said, come and take the book. And John went and took the book. He saw it. He responded. And there was action that followed that. A believer, they believe. New Testament admonition is that they watch, they be sober, they press forward towards the mark of the high calling of Christ. And I would say that to you. I, I really do believe that, that the Lord's promise concerning you, it will be fulfilled. It was prophesied way back when. It's, it's happening right now. And it's the objective of a believer to press forward, to wait, and to be vigilant. It's unto those that look for him shall he appear the second time. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at uh, a scripture with me, and I want to go down uh, uh, scripturally here just for a moment and, and establish the reason for this uh, vigilance if, if, we, if we can do that. Um, so we know that these are the last days, obviously, and I just want to go through the scriptures and, and kind of identify a few things. Um, we know that we um, uh, 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 see these things, but I want to show them. So if you're in Second Peter chapter 3, uh, and Second Peter chapter 3, and I've got verse 10 here on the board. Um, in the first portion of this chapter, Second Peter chapter 3, in verse 3, he says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. So whenever he says scoffers, and, or whenever he says last days, then our ears should perk up because that's where we're living. So we know that we're living in the end time. So shall it be in the coming of the days of Son of Man. Uh, shall be like under the days of Noah, like under the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And there never was a time that was more um, uh, uh, perfectly aligned with Sodom and Gomorrah. So we know that these are the last days. So he, Paul is talking about the last days now as he goes forward. So then down towards verse 9 of 2 Peter chapter 3, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. So the Lord does not delay as if he was unable to act. And that's the thing that I think we really need to understand. And maybe that's, that's uh, maybe where my heart is going more so is that we get so caught up in the day-to-day -day life. We get so caught up in 
you know, the conspiracy theory of the COVID-19, you know, I better leave that alone. But, uh, you know, we get so caught up in, um, uh, uh, you know, it was a vial in, in China or, you know, it was the government or, you know, it's just a regular disease. No matter what side you're on, we get so caught up in that and we get so caught up in, in just daily living, which is hard enough. Um, and just trying to scratch a living from the face of the earth, you know, it looks easier for some than others, but it's, it's difficult on all of us. And I think it weighs on our minds just having that, that, that uh, daily life and that, that pressure there, um, it, it, we can oftentimes lose our focus because in Colossians three, it says, set your affections on those things that are above seeing that Christ is on the throne, think, seeing that Christ is risen, set your affections on those things that are above. And that's really, really important. So he says here, the Lord is not slack as if you are unable to fulfill his promise. He actually knows exactly where he is. So he says, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And this is extremely important. And this is actually a glimpse into the mind of God is that he is not willing that any should perish. So it's not that, you know, things are going uh, crazy. Things are right in line with where God wants them. And it's because of the compassion of the Lord. Uh, very important uh, uh, statement in, in the Bible. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord, and that's a very important phrase I want to focus on here just for a few moments. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night uh, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And then this is what I love, verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for the hastening of the coming of the day of God, which that day of God is the um, uh, 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 similar to, to this. So the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and, and the elements melt with fervent heat. We know that that does not happen until after the millennium when God cleanses the earth with fire. So we know that the day of the Lord or the day of God is that portion of the coming of the Lord. We see here in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. That's describing one of the aspects of the way that the Lord comes, which I'll get to in just a second. So we know that the, the rapture or the, the translation of the bride is a secret going. It's not known to everybody uh, and anybody. It's a very secret event um, to those that look for him shall he appear, right? And so we know that the day of the Lord is associated with the thief in the night. So we know that that's a period of time that Peter is talking about here. And the day of God, wherein the heavens shall melt and shall be dissolved. That's at the latter end of that when um, Ephesians um, uh, 1 and verse, uh, I believe it's chapter 1 and verse 10. Um, when the fullness of times has come, God will gather everything that is in heaven and those that are in earth all together in Christ. So there's a time when God brings everything together, and then there's a combination of that when God cleanses the earth with fire, because he has to redeem the earth in the same way that he redeems the individual. So he consumes you with the Holy Ghost and fire, he consumes the earth in the same way. And the, the, fervor, the, the, the firmament of the earth shall be burned up and cleansed by the consuming fire of God. So we know, we know that this in, in Ephesians, or Second uh, Peter chapter three, the day of the Lord is referring to that coming, that time of the Lord, that time period of the end of days, um, which is very closely aligned with the seventh seal and the coming of the Lord. So um, in verse 11, he says, all that being the case, I love that because it's such a, you know, a, do a doctrinal discussion. He says, all of that being the case, 
what manner of person should you be in all holy conversation, in uh, seeing that all these things be dissolved in holy conversation and godliness. So he totally flips the conversation back on you, the individual. And he presses you with a question. He says, what manner of individual should you be? Seeing that you know, you have the awareness of what's going to happen. What kind of individual should you be? And I believe that we have a glimpse of how we should be in Simeon, in an individual who's standing there and he's waiting on the Lord and he's saying, Lord, I, I believe you've given me this promise. I'm going to believe that the promise will be fulfilled in your time, in your way. I'm going to give you the ability to fulfill your own word because the Lord interprets his word by bringing it to pass. The Lord needs no interpreter. So for 800 years, those, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in, tried to interpret. They tried to debate. It was endless debate on how the Messiah would come, when he would come. They were looking for him to come during the time of uh, uh, the Roman occupation. And then he comes in a way that they least expected it. Simeon was looking for it. Simeon allowed the Lord to fulfill his own word by bringing it to pass. And that's the, that's the identifiable trait of a believer is not that they're trying to uh, debate and, and uh, you know, make sure everything is uh, 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 that they have all understanding. You're not going to understand everything, but what you are assured of that you must believe, as the scripture says in Paul. So the revelation that we do have, because the rapture is a revelation and revelation is given of God, it's not given outside of scripture, it's given within scripture. So we have the revelation of what God is doing in this day and in this hour, and we hold to that and we believe that believers believe. They hold to that. They press forward in that. They believe that which is behind and they push forward in that. They wait. They're sober. They're vigilant. They understand the times that they're living in and they respond to it. They, they fulfill the commission of the Lord. That's why I keep saying the Lord will fulfill his promise concerning you. And Peter says, now seeing all these things will be the case, what manner of people should you be? It's a good question to ponder, and I would encourage you to ponder that. Now, what he says here, and, and just to go over the, the, the scriptures a little bit, he says, the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. Um, and we know that this is uh, 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 the case. So if you go back over then to Malachi chapter 4, um, and the scripture about Elijah, and we know that this is, this is a very familiar passage of scripture to the believer. If you go to Malachi chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, just go there because you can. Malachi chapter 5 and verse, uh, uh, chapter 4 and verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So we know that the rapture, the translation of the bride, is associated with a thief in the night. We don't, they don't know when he's going to come. There'll be two in the bed. There'll be two women grinding flour. And one, he'll take one and leave the other. There'll be two in the bed. He'll take one and leave the other. So we know that that's a secret going away of the bride. That's not for um, uh, the foolish virgins. That's for those who have the Holy Ghost. That is for those who are standing in the word for their day is the rapture. Um, those who are not in, in, in the bride, those who are not elected, come up after the in the white throne judgment. So we know that that is associated, that translation is associated with a thief in the night. And, for, and, and Peter associates that the day of the Lord, it shall come as a thief in the night. So in Malachi chapter 4, we see that, Behold, I will send you a line to the prophet before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. And then we go into verse 6, he shall turn the hearts of the fathers of the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, which has a dual meaning. 
John the Baptist and, and, and Brother Benham. Now, the thing that I want you to understand about the, the second coming um, is that Brother Branham did not necessarily associate himself with the second coming of the Lord. The angel of the Lord did that in the, in the Ohio River in 1933. So it was the angel of the Lord that said, just as John foreran the first coming of Christ, your ministry shall forerun the second coming of Christ. So it was actually the angel of the Lord that thundered forth and those people were there and they, they saw what happened and they heard what happened. And he was the one that associated Brother Branham's ministry with the second coming. So we know then that, um, uh, behold, I will send you Elijah before the great, uh, great dreadful day of the Lord. And, um, you know, I think this is one area that you can really begin to present to people if you're witnessing to them, because you say the scripture is very clear that Elijah, there's five comings of Elijah. We won't get into that uh, right now, but there's very clearly five comings of Elijah. And um, uh, the, the, the fourth one is not uh, uh, the fourth one is, is, is here. And it's very clear that you can go to somebody and say there's clearly supposed to be a coming of Elijah before the last days, which is what Peter is saying here. So it's very clear that there's something going to happen before the coming and, and great and dreadful day of the Lord. Um, you know, and that's very important for us to understand. And I think that's what I want you to understand is, is that the rapture is uh, a revelation. And it's a really understanding of where we are in the end times and what has come as a result of it. So therefore, we see Brother Branham's ministry clearly identified by the angel of the Lord saying, your ministry shall forerun the second coming. And then we go back to Hebrews chapter 9. It's unto those that look for him shall he appear the second time. So we know that the second coming is, is, is closely aligned with Malachi chapter 4. And these two verses uh, very clearly go together. Now, the other uh, component of this is in Revelation chapter 1. So if you can go over there, you've got Revelation chapter 1 in verse 10. Um, Verse 10, Revelation chapter 1, and it's, it's John saying, and John is a type of the bride, which is very clearly um, identified here in the book of Revelation. Um, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And that's exactly the terminology that's used here in Malachi chapter 4, the day of the Lord, the Lord's day, the day of God, and these things. So we know that that's the time, the time of his coming. Um, and so we see I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Well, how could he be in the spirit? There's only one way we're baptized in the one spirit. That's Acts 2.38. To be baptized and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we know that to, to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost is to be in, in, in that time period. Now, how could you be in the spirit on the Lord's day? Well, he says, now, um, I heard a trump behind me in a voice of the trumpet as of a trumpet. So basically what's happening is that John said, now I am in the spirit on the Lord's day. So John was, he was, uh, uh, chronologically, he was in that time. He was on the Lord's day and he was in the spirit. And then the angel, uh, as a voice, a great voice of a trumpet behind him. And he turned and being turned, he saw revelations, uh, the rest of revelations one through three, the seven church ages. So he was on the Lord's day. So there we know that the Lord's day was definitely beyond the seven church ages. Um, so he looks behind him to see that. So verse 12, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks 
And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks was one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with a with uh, with with a golden girdle. So you can see, and, and this is this is the beauty of the message of the hour, um, is that it's so scripturally clear. It's very it's very scripturally clear. There, there's no um, there's really no debate about the simplicity of this. These scriptures perfectly aligned. You can see that the day of the day of the Lord is as a thief in the night. That's clearly associated with the rapture. And then John, as he was in the day of the Lord, is, is uh, um, uh, in the spirit on the Lord's day. He looks behind him and he sees the, the uh, seven church ages. So these seven church ages had already elapsed when he was on the Lord's day. So we, we as the bride of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves in the last days on the Lord's day. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's just an amazing thing. So, and uh, we know that 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 aligns um, with Luke uh, seventeen thirty, um, as it as it was in the days of the Son of Man, uh, a Son of Man revealing the Son of Man. So Elijah the prophet comes to reveal the Son of Man. So in Revelations ten seven, we see Christ the mighty angel comes down in a cloud. The seventh angel begins to sound, and the mysteries are finished. John, the type of the bride. He hears this and takes the book of redemption and the book that was sealed with the seven seals that Christ, the lamb, took in Revelation chapter five. But now it's opened. So thus the opening of the seven seals, which was the revealing of the son of man. Look at what he says in 1965. It is the rising of the sun. I wish this morning that I just had time to spend upon these phenomena. That's beyond any shadow of a doubt. That's been proven for the past 30 or 35 years right here at this church. Since down on the river, that same uh, light that came down here on Jeffersonville, 1933, and spoke the words, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the, the first coming of Christ, your message shall run the second. So we know that that's closely aligned. Now look at this, in, it is the rising of the sun, 1965. He says, look, we're, we're, we've seen in this day, the quickening power has come to us and the open uh, uh, to open the seven seals, what was that? The, in, the intelligence of a man? No, the quickening power of God. See, the quickening power of God foretold he would, this would take place and see the quickening power of God made the world to testify to it. It's the truth. The angel of the Lord I told you was around in the pillar of fire, quickening power, let the world testify that it's the truth. And in that, they didn't know what it, what it was. And we know, just look this way, it's, it's our Lord up there, you see, and he says, he is the one who opened those seals. He is those seals for the whole word of God is Christ. And Christ is the seals that was opened. What is the opening of the seals then? Revealing Christ. Luke 17, 30. In the, in, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man and the revealing of the Son of Man. I, I, I just love the clarity of this. You know, how, how uh, so... How how the Lord must love is how how the Lord must love us so much to allow us to see these things and give us the simplicity um, to be able to look at it and say, you know what, that's nothing but the truth, which is what Sister Hattie Wright did. She she listened, she was just there, and she said, you know what, that's nothing but the truth. We don't come at it with you know um, uh, a seminary mindset and say, well, we have to dissect this. We, we correctly divide the word of truth, but the word of truth, the Holy Ghost, operates on the basis of the word of truth. He operates on the basis of his own word. And that's why a church, 
Um, that's why message churches don't have any organization above them. That's why the Lord in the apostolic order set every church sovereign in itself is so that the Holy Ghost would have the preeminence to move among them. And I think that's just so beautiful. And, and the reason that he wants to do that is because he can allow you to read the scripture in, in with, with the restorative lens of Malachi 4 and be able to look at it and to say, you know what? That's nothing but the truth. And what is the opening of the seals revealing Christ? We can see that to be the truth. So we know that the um, uh, uh, John being on the Lord's day in the end time, we know that there's a couple things that happen. First, there's a shout that comes forth. So the first thing that comes forth is a message. <clears throat> so in Th in First Thessalonians um, uh, uh, four, we see the rapturing season. So we know that the first thing that comes forth is, is the method message, and then the next thing is the resurrection of the sleeping bride, the ones that died in other church ages. And we're brought together. So we're brought together with the Lord in the, in the clouds, which is just a faster dimension. And then the trumpet uh, calling us to the, to the feast in the heavens. Now, this is not me. This is this is Brother Branham. You know that that's the case. See, and um, uh, and very true. We just don't have the time to go into that. So what I want you to do is go up to Matthew chapter 25. And I want to pick up the scripture. And I've got it on the screen here in case you want to look at it. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. The oil represents the Holy Ghost. We know that to be the truth. Um, Psalms, I believe it's 103. I believe it Psalms 103. He, uh, um, the oil is at the as as um, that runs down upon the the beard. So they they were foolish, took them in lamps. The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Verse five. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at the midnight, at, and at midnight there was a cry made. So we know that the, the the first thing that happens comes forth as the message, right? So the first thing is there is a shout, there's a voice, there's a trump. So that's the rapturing season, right? That's the translating of the bride is that season of time. We know that the day of the Lord is actually a very uh, a longer expanse of time, but the translation of the bride comes as a thief in the night, which is how we know that that aligns with the day of the Lord. So in that time of the translation of the bride, the first thing that happens is a, a shout, a message goes forward. So you see here that uh, in the, at the midnight hour, there was a cry made and behold, the bridegroom cometh but go ye out to meet them. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil, uh, for our, our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather unto them that sell and buy for yourselves. So you see, the the, the believers, the, the oil is the Holy Ghost. So we see that the bride is in a position to go. They're in a position waiting and they have all of the components that they need to make them ready. You see that in uh, Revelations 19, the bride hath made herself ready. And that's, that's the truth. And it comes down to each individual. And I think that's why Peter pointed back to you and he said, Now seeing all of these things be in the day of the Lord, what manner of person should you be? And boy, that can really cut deep. The word, the word cuts. You know, I'd say it like this. The word separates. The, the bride does not have a spirit of separation. They have a spirit 
of reconciliation. The word is that which separates as a two-edged sword. So if we're if we're saying you know, with a legalistic attitude, ah, oh, you know, you've got to do this, or you've got to go to that church, you've got to believe this, you've got to believe it in this specific way, you've got that kind of spirit of separation, you know, uh, things like that. That I I typically tend to back off of that a little bit. It makes me really nervous. I don't find that that to be uh, consistent with the scripture because in Revelation 22, I believe it is, it says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. They don't say, you go out and these people are lost and blah, blah, blah. They say, no, the spirit and the bride, they both say, come. They have a message of reconciliation. And I believe that's really the truth. And so I believe that we're right there already now. And in this passage in, in Matthew chapter 25, we know that the, the, those that had the oil, they were in a position ready. They were waiting. They were sober. They were vigilant. There's a, they had all of the components that they needed to get out of here. And I believe that if you are a born-again, Holy Ghost-filled believer, you have everything laying inside that seed inside of you that you need to get out of here. Remember now, the Lord's promise concerning you will be fulfilled. So the word has to come to fruition. So he's not going uh, to allow a promise to be made without you to have the capacity to, to complete it or the ability to complete it. Isn't that just beautiful? It's so wonderful. He says now in verse 10, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. So the marriage was after the shout. There's a lot of people who believe that the, um, uh, the wedding supper is you know happening now. There's people who believe anything, um, which is crazy, but we can see that the, the wedding supper, the, the shout was made, the bride was in position to go, the bridegroom comes, they go, and then they go into the wedding supper. It's very, very clear, which is also very consistent with Brother Bannon's ministry uh, uh, from 1947 and 1965. And so we see here, afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to, uh, unto us. But he answered and said, verily, verily, I know you not. This is what I want you to read. Verse 13, Matthew chapter 25. Watch, therefore, for ye need know that you, you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now, interestingly about this statement is that we do know the season that he comes. He comes in the end time. The day of the Lord is as a thief in the night. We know that Elijah the prophet will come, as it says in Malachi chapter 4. So we see in uh, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, that the day of the Lord is as a, as a thief in the night before the firmament will be burned. So we know that there's a period of time. So then we know that Malachi 4 is before the day of the Lord happens. I will send you Malachi uh, chapter 5. Uh, I will send you Elijah the prophet. So we know that there has to be a message as a part of the coming of the Lord. It's very clear in scripture that that is the message of the hour. So there is something, and it's very clear in Matthew chapter 25, there was a call, there was a cry made, there was a shout given to the bride for them to come into position to know where they are going and to be ready to go. So in, in essence, the message of the hour is to place the bride of Jesus Christ in position to receive her promise of translation, of, to see her promise of going on the other side. So the message of the hour is that is that mechanism that, that facility uh, 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 whereby the promise is made known. The message of the hour is that, and the Holy Ghost is the message of the hour. And what were, what were uh, those seals? Look at this. What was the opening of the seals then? Revealing Christ. 
So you can see that the bridegroom in Matthew chapter 25, they knew, they heard the cry, they knew that the bridegroom was coming, they knew the exact position that they were supposed to be, and they made themselves ready, as it says in, in, in Revelation chapter 19, they made themselves ready and they were standing in a position to go. Isn't that wonderful? The position was they had oil, they had the Holy Ghost. And there you see the importance of having the baptism of the Holy Ghost. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then he looked back behind him. So you understand that right now, the most pivotal thing that a young person can do is seek the Holy Ghost, is to make sure that you do have the Holy Ghost and he can lead you and establish you and guide you into where you need to go. And if you have the Holy Ghost and you know that and you've been made assured of that, then what do you do? You wait, you commit yourself to him, you be sober, you be vigilant. I, I, I think of it like this, and maybe this is just me personally. Um, I tend to look at people and I say, you know what? Um, we're all trying to get to the same place. Maybe this is my heart. Um, just my heart, just me personally speaking here for a second. I, I believe that it's a really hard time in the world right now, as, as I said at the beginning. I think it's very difficult. I think there's a lot of people who are struggling um, and there have been people struggling since Christ returned in, in the form of the Holy Ghost. Um, but I believe that there's a lot of people struggling right now. I think it's a really stressful time. I believe there's a lot of depression. I believe there's a lot of anxiety. I think the convenience that the enemy allows is pressing in more so than any other time. I think as things move faster, as you see things move faster towards the coming of the Lord, I, I, I think the desire to um, relieve the pressure that we feel by worldly things becomes greater. And maybe I'm just saying that personally, maybe that's just what I've experienced, but I, th I see the, the, the worldly influence can creep in uh, without you really being aware of it. And without you really understanding that the, that the enemy is trying to make a stronghold. And I think one of those ways is bitterness and bickering in between uh, uh, brothers and sisters. I, I, and I, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just where I'm at in my life. People arguing over doctrine, people separating, people going here, people doing this. You know, there's not a one of us that are the same. And the last time I checked... Every single one of us are human beings We're capable of, of, of leaning to the flesh and allowing mistakes to happen. We're all trying to get to the same place. And that's not a pluralistic mindset. It's a fact that we're all human beings and we're saved by the grace of God. And we're capable of saying the wrong things, saying ridiculous things. And I see that the, 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 the one indication of a, a member of the bride is that they are in a position where they're ready for the coming of the Lord. They're in a position where they're waiting on his coming and they can be sober and be vigilant. They walk circumspectly. And in that position, you should have love. God is love. And I think his spirit, his presence is sweeter when someone is vigilant and they're watching and they're sober and they're looking at the signs of the times that they're in. They know exactly what they're looking for. They know exactly where they're supposed to be. And so they're in a position where they're waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. And remember, the Lord's promise concerning you will be fulfilled. 
There's, there's, no, there's no question about that. The Lord's promise concerning you will be fulfilled. So be sober, as it says here in the scripture, watch therefore, because you don't know the exact day. You know the season, you don't know the exact day. And when someone is sober, when someone is vigilant, when they're, when, they, when they're spiritually mature enough to say, you know what? I, I'm gonna choose not to say that about that person. I'm gonna choose to let that go. When someone has seriously wronged you, when someone has hurt you, when someone has criticized you, um, people criticize me all the time. You know, this is something I guess I've dealt with being in, in a minister's family all my, all my life. I guess that's this one thing that's a little bit easier for me to deal with. It's not always the case for other people. So when you, when someone criticizes you, when they, when they, when they come after you or something like that, the ability to say, you know what, Lord, I want to, I want to be sober. I don't want to allow the enemy to have a stronghold here. I, I don't want there to be anything in my life that's going to prohibit the momentum that the reveal word of the hour brings. It brings you forward. You have this revelation, you see this, you see that, you move up forward, then one day we're gonna be gone. We're gonna be out of here. It's in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. And as this time begins to move quicker and it moves faster, we see the scripture very clear in front of us that this is the end time. And you know, it may be a hundred years from now. It may be 10 minutes from now. Brother Branham, uh, in, in, in one quote, and I'll, I'll close with this, he says, um, he was asked the question, should evangelists continue on the field? And he says, in this hour, of course, what that means, certainly, by all means, don't change a thing. If Jesus is coming in the morning, preach today like if it was going to be 10 years from today, but live like it's going to be at this hour. I think a spiritually mature Christian they should be able to look at those around them and say, you know what? I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let, I'm going to just, I'm going to disregard what those people are doing over there. I'm going to disregard what that person said to me. I, I'd kind of like to be sober. I kind of like to walk circumspectly as the scripture says. I'd like to, I'd like to watch because a believer knows what they're looking for. And unto those that, are, that look for him, shall he appear the second time. It's very clear in Matthew chapter 25, those that have the Holy Ghost, they were in a position, they were ready, they were looking and saying, you know what? I know exactly where, I'm, where, where you are in, in time. I know exactly where I am with, with the Lord. Therefore you watch and you be sober. I love this quote, Brother Mary says, hearing, receiving and acting in 1960, he says, the believer has something to live for. We ought to live like it reaching every day for everything that we can get a hold of from God, leaving the world behind, burning the ships, uh, burning your ships every day, burning the track behind you, keep on moving, reaching, pulling, seeking, hungering, thirsting for God. That's a good quote. The believer has something to live for. And I'll, I'll say this, um, I'll say this to you just as I close. I believe very much that the Lord, he, he, he cares about you. He, he loves you. And he really does care about you. And I don't believe a believer is ever outside of the line of sight of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly the job situation. He knows exactly the issue. He knows exactly the illness. He knows the anxiety. He knows the depression. He understands it. He knows exactly where, where you are. And to think that you're out of the line of sight of the Lord Jesus Christ is a lie of Satan. 
and you should you should just flip that off of your shoulder. The believer, they have something to live for, and we ought to live like it, reaching every day for everything that we can get a hold of from God, and criticizing one another, acting acting so immature uh, uh, when situations come up, and biting back at people and all these different things, worrying about trivial trivial issues that Satan is trying to get a hold of. I'm not talking about compromising on your on your beliefs or anything like that. I'm talking about just everyday life, everyday situations that come up is just foolishness. And I love how Peter says, and he, he pushes it back on you, and he says, seeing that all these things be the case, what manner of person should you be in all holy conversation? Why he would say that, I think, is very particular to the reason that I, I just spoke about. In all holy conversation and godliness, what kind of people should you be? That's, on, that's, that's, that's to you. That's, that's on you. The Lord loves you. He gave you the grace to be able to understand exactly what you should be looking for. He gave you, he told, he, he's telling us, he's telling me, you watch, you be sober, you be vigilant for the time is, time is at hand. He says in, in 1 Peter 4, 7, but at the end of all things is at hand, so be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. That's what a believer does, just like Simeon. Unto those that look for him the second time shall he appear. You have the privilege to know exactly where you stand in the time, in the timeline of, of, of history. You know exactly where you stand. You know exactly what the Lord is expecting from you. He's expecting believers to believe. Sheep produce wool. That's what they do. So let's rise above all of the, the trivial issues that can keep us down. Let's rise above the anxiety and be sober. Be vigilant. And this is what I will say to you. The Lord's promise concerning you, it will be fulfilled. So wait on the Lord, be sober, be vigilant. As David says in Psalms 130, I, I wait on the Lord as those more eagerly than those who wait on the breaking of day. May that be our prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I really do believe that this is a, um, a trying time for anybody. Whether people care about it, whether they you know, choose not to worry about it, whatever it may be, however much the world is, is creeping in on, on your, your, your people, I, I ask you that your presence could come among us, Lord, and focus our, our, our line of vision. Focus our line of sight. Keep us, keep us centered. And keep us focused on the right things. May we set our affections on things that are above. And we all have day jobs. We have to make a living. But the Bannami said, plant your potatoes. If he's going to come 10 years from now, you plant. if he's going to come 10 minutes from now, you plant your potatoes. And Lord, we, we understand that. We understand that we have a, a life to live. And in that pursuit, there, there can be anxiety and depression and fear and wondering, am I where I need to be? Lord, I pray that you'd help those individuals to keep focused and to keep centered on that which is most important to you. And that's the fact that you fulfill your promises, that the word shall not return unto you void. And Lord, we, we believe that. As Christians, as individuals who love you, Lord, we believe that. And we know that 
your promises concerning us, they will be fulfilled. And I pray that your blessing would be upon those who are listening, those who are not, Lord, upon your bride, upon your people, Lord, those who are struggling. Lord, I, I, I just, I pray that your peace would be upon them. There is great consolation to know that it's not, all I need to do is just wait for the fulfillment of the promise and act in obedience to the word of God and it shall come to pass. And may, may your people know that peace. May, know, may they know that assurance. That's where we choose to place our faith, Lord, is in the word of God and in the presence of God to be able to fulfill it. Grant it, Lord. Thank you for this time together. We love you and we thank you so much. Go with us, Lord, as we go our uh, go uh, the separate ways uh, along this week. I pray that you'd give us just a fabulous week. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great evening and uh, uh, we'll be praying for you. God bless you.